Well, today we're going to begin a brand new series called Adulting. See, there comes a time in everyone's life when they have to grow up and take life seriously. The time comes when they need to stand on their own two feet and take responsibility for themselves. Adulting can be a challenge. Adulting is often accompanied with many struggles. Adulting is often very difficult. In this series, we're going to talk about some of the challenges and struggles. And today, today, we're going to talk about finances, one of my favorite subjects. Because I know how important that finances are. I know what they can and cannot do in people's lives. I don't know, maybe, perhaps, our subject today is the greatest struggle of all. Or adulting. I want to begin by giving you some staggering statistics. 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Their money runs out before their month does. 57% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. 77% of Americans are saving $0 for retirement. Only 13% of Americans believe that they're going to be able to retire comfortably. Here's the real problem. Buckle your seatbelts. There's turbulence ahead. The real problem is this. For most Americans, notice I said most, not all, but for most Americans, their financial problems are not because of their income, but because of poor money management. Fact of the matter is there's other people that make far less than they do and yet they are doing well. So it's not the amount but it is the way that the money is managed. Let me remind you that our series is on adulting. It's time to man up or woman up whichever is the case this morning. And a little feedback and help will help me this morning and if it helps me it will help you. Billy Graham said, and how many know if Billy Graham said it, you know, right under this, right? Billy Graham said, if a person gets their attitude toward money straight, he said it will help straighten out almost every other area in their life. Here's what I've come to know, and that is most people who struggle in their marriage struggle most of all over money. People who struggle in their relationship with God, many of them struggle because of the, air, of the area of money. They do not want to give what God asks of them. And on and on and on it goes. Somebody said, somebody said, money cannot buy happiness. Money can't buy happiness. I, I agree with that statement, but, but I also say that the lack of money or the mismanagement of money can cause a lot of unhappiness. And I believe that a, that a lot of unhappiness would simply go away if people got their finances in order. Let's talk about finances this morning. Let's, let's begin by talking about, let's talk about financial demands. Financial demands. The financial demands on an American adult today, those demands are, are absolutely staggering. 
Haggai chapter 1 and verse 6 says, he who earns wages earns them to put them in a bag with holes in it. Is this the way it feels to you sometimes? Proverbs 22 and 7 says, the borrower is the slave to the lender. Has debt turned you into a slave? Because that's exactly what it does. You you see, debt tells us what we can and what we cannot do. It tells us where we can and we cannot go. Debt tells us what time we have to get up in the morning and how late we have to stay up at night. Our finances or lack or mismanagement of them places huge demands on our life. I want to suggest three sources of our financial demands. And the first source is society. Society today places a huge amount of financial pressure on us. We're told nonstop, 24-7, we're told that in order to appear successful, well, then we must dress a certain way and we must live in a certain zip code and we must drive a particular type of car. In order to be socially accepted, one must fit the mold. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he says, it's not wise to compare yourself with others. People struggle to fit in these days, and yet the average American is broke and in debt. They don't even have a thousand bucks saved for a rainy day, and they have absolutely no plan for retirement. Who wants to fit into that? Another source of financial demand is self. The pressure that we place on ourselves or on our mate. Proverbs 27 and 20 says, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Here's what I know. Your wanter will never stop wanting. When John D. Rockefeller, multimillionaire, was asked the question, how much is enough? How many of you think if you had millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, you would have enough? But when this multimillionaire was asked the question, Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough? Without hesitation, he said, just a little bit more. See, no matter what we have, we will always want more. The third source of financial demand is Satan. See, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Satan has always tried to trip man up by trying to get him to want what he doesn't have. See, the Bible says that Adam and Eve could eat from any of the trees in the Garden of Eden except one. I don't know how many trees, perhaps thousands of trees that that, that they could eat from. Only one was off limits to them. But but, but Satan said, look at that tree, man. Look at that tree. Look at that fruit. You got to have a taste of that fruit. And so he does with us. 
You can't be happy unless you have this or you have that or you have something else, he says to us. But John 10, 10 says that the devil comes to steal. He comes to kill and he comes to destroy. The Bible calls him not only a liar, but the father of lies, the, uh, the father of lies, the, the head honcho of liars and deceivers and low lives. Why should we listen to him? Second thing I want to talk about today, we'll talk about financial dreams. Do you have any dreams for your life? Now, you know, dreams, if they're worth having, don't come cheap. I mean, I don't know if anybody's got a dream to go to McDonald's and have Big Mac. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, a man's heart plans his way. What's in your heart? Perhaps it's to have and enjoy a family. Maybe that's your dream, to have and enjoy a family. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, after God created Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve, a wife and a helpmate. For Adam. Really, I think what happened was is God made man, he looked at man, he said, I can do better than that. <laughs> and he did. Oh, he did. But God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. He needs a helpmate. And then in Psalm 127... Verse 3 through 5, David writes, and he says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. A what? You might need to remind yourself of that every once in a while. (laughs) The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of those arrows. What is your dream? Maybe your dream is to have and enjoy a family. Notice I didn't just say to have a family. I said to have and enjoy a family. The problem is a lot of people have a family, but they don't enjoy their family. See, for most Americans, their family adds more stress to their lives because the bigger the family, the bigger the financial demand. This is yet another reason why we should get our financial house in order so that we can enjoy our family and not look at our family as a burden. Another financial dream might be to have some fun. Hey, it's okay to have fun. I I never heard a preacher say that when I was growing up. When I was growing up, if it was fun, it was sin. But I'm telling you that it's okay to have fun. Jesus is not against you having some fun. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18 and 19 says. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 uh, verse 18 and 19, he said, here's what I have seen. He said, it is good and it is fitting for one to eat and drink. 
and to enjoy. Say enjoy. Solomon said, it is fitting for you to enjoy the good of all your labor in which you toil under the sun all the days of your life, which God gives to you, for it is your heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life. Have it to the full. Have it in abundance. Have it until it overflows. It's okay to have fun. Just think how awesome it would be to take your wife on a cruise and all of the wives said. Just think how awesome it would be to be able to take your kids or your grandkids to Disney World. Hey, what if you could actually enjoy your day off, enjoy your free time by developing a hobby instead of having to leave one job and go to another just in order to make ends meet? What a life it would be if we would work hard, but we would also play hard. I don't know what your financial dream might be this morning. Perhaps your financial dream is to experience financial freedom. What could you do if you were debt free? Where could you go? Who could you help? How could you make a difference in somebody else's world? Perhaps the number one reason why God hasn't called you to do something incredible is because he knows you can't afford to. Ouch. What could God do with us if we had our financial house in order? What could God do with us if we experienced financial freedom? It hurts me to see the elderly who should be enjoying their golden years. Financial stress should be behind them. And yet, for many of them, they still have to work. They still have to struggle to make ends meet. And the dreams that they once had have died long, long ago. How sad. Breaks my heart. All right, we've talked about financial demands. We've talked about financial dreams. Now let's talk about financial destiny. By the way, you are determining your financial destiny. You. You. Actually, you are doing that right this very moment by what you choose to do with what you're hearing. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 14 and 15, he says, the wise give thought to their steps. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, the wise save, the foolish spend everything they make. Do you know you don't have to be poor to be broke? Some people look a lot better broke than others. (laughs) But most Americans are broke today. Hey, most six-figure income people 
are broke. Because they're in debt and have no financial plan. The wise save, the foolish spend everything they make. I want to ask you this morning, what's, what, what will your financial destiny look like? See, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to paint the picture of your future. You are painting it. You are painting the picture of your future. If you don't like the painting, scrap it and start over. Let me ask you this this morning. Where will you be financially in five years? Ten years? Twenty years? Here's what I know. You won't always be young. I know it's part of being old, but I just, I just still think I'm young. You won't always be young. It'll slip up on you. Old age will slip up on you so fast. I remember when people said that when I was young. I thought, man, they must have Alzheimer's or something. But I'm telling you, it does. You won't always be young. You won't always be in demand. You're not always going to be the latest and the greatest. And the skills you have today is going to be outdated tomorrow. And you're not always going to have the same energy level that you have today. And your replacement has already been born. How many of you feel encouraged now? (laughs) Aren't you glad you came today? Hey, I'm simply trying to help you. You see, good money management can solve, cannot, may, may not be able to solve all of your problems, but, but it can solve a lot of your problems. And the lack or mismanagement of money will create a whole new set of problems. I'm not trying to teach you how to get rich this morning. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you relieve some stress, which will have a positive domino effect on every single part of your life. And, and one day we're all going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And all of us are going to give an account of how we lived our life. And this will include how we handled our finances. The Bible says that we are merely stewards. A steward is a manager of somebody else's property. What you have in your hands this morning doesn't belong to you. It is actually God. You are simply managing God's property. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the Bible says. And one of these days we're going to stand before God. And God is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? That will include the money that came through your hands. Let me quickly talk about three things here that relate to our financial destiny. The first thing I would encourage you to do this morning is decide what you want. See, you're not going to be able to have everything. So better decide what you really, really want in life. Decide what you 
want. Proverbs 13 and 16 says, a wise man thinks ahead. Ask yourself, what do I want to do with my money? Huh? Yeah. Ask yourself, what do I want to do with my money? If you are married, sit down together and decide. And I got some really, really good stuff right here this morning. If you're not married, find somebody who has the same financial goals that you do. And if they don't have this, I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care what a hunk he is. If you are polar opposites in the area of, of handling finances, you're going to have trouble. The number one cause of divorce is financial stress. Usually caused by two people who have opposite financial goals. Ask the question, why do I, or what do we want to do with our money? Do we want to eat it? If you want to eat your money, man, make those reservations. What do I want to do with my money? Do we, what do we want to do with our money? Do we want to play and party with it? Is that what we want to do? Just have one big giant good time? What do I want to do with my money? Do I want to drive it? Well, you get that car with that special emblem on it. Cost you twice as much just to get that emblem on it. Get it? I don't want to do it with my money. Drive it? I don't want to do it with my money. Live in it? I've told this story many times, but it just popped in my mind again here. But I love the story of the, of the young couple. And the wife said, where are we going on vacation this year? And the husband said, vacation? What are you talking about? We got a new car and we got a new house. We're going to sit in our new car and look at our new house. And we get tired of doing that. We're going to sit in our living room and look at our new car. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're living in our money. We're driving our money. We can't go anywhere. What do you want to do with your money? You want to save it? You want to invest it? Do you want to give it? Decide what you want to do with your money, and it will help you prioritize your, sprint, your spending. And once you decide what you want, then direct your money. Direct your money. Tell your money where to go instead of wondering where in the world it went. See, if you don't prioritize your spending, if you don't direct your money, life will misdirect it. So let me help you prioritize. And I've given this to you before more than once, but there's people that haven't heard it at all, and most of you haven't put it into practice. So until you practice it, I'm going to keep preaching it. Four things that you should do with your money in this order. First thing you ought to do with your money is you ought to sow some. Sow some. I personally believe in tithing. The first 10% of our income, I believe, belongs to God. Malachi chapter 3 says that if we do this, then we will get the blessing of God on our finances. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6, he said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But he said, if you sow bountifully, he said, you are going to reap bountifully. I need an hour with this this morning. I don't have it. First thing you should do with your money is sow some. And then after you sow some, then you should save some. You sow, and then you save. 
Proverbs 21 and 20 again, wise people save, foolish people spend everything. See, here's what I know, and that is I know that emergencies will come. This is adulting, okay? We're not talking to kids today. We're talking to adults. And I'm telling you, emergencies will come. Sickness is coming. Layoffs are coming. Car trouble is coming. Root canals. Do you know what they cost? They're coming. Roofs are going to be needed to be replaced. Drains are going to need to be unstopped. Toilets are going to back up. Tires are going to wear out. Wear out. Emergencies are coming. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Emergencies are coming. Are you prepared for them? Do you have an emergency fund in place? Why not? You knew emergencies were coming. What did you think you were going to do? Go to daddy. We're talking about adulting here. Daddy already raised you. Well, mama did and daddy financed it. Amen. Save some, save some, save for emergency, save for a rainy day, save, save for that good deal or that good investment that's going to come along. And I want to tell you by experience that there will be times when good investments will come along. And most people are going to have to say, oh, I can't do it. Oh, I wish I could. Oh, if only I would have got in on that. Well, if you'd have saved some, you could have. Save for when the layoff comes. Oh, like one man in my church years ago, man, out of all the men in the church, pastor, I'm the most secure. My job is most secure. He was the first to get laid off. We're living in America. They'll lay you off for anything. Layoffs are coming. Hey, kids are going to go to college, and I don't, I, I'm not saying that every kid should be fully sponsored by their parents. I don't necessarily believe that, but listen, they're going to need some help. Kids, you're going to go to college. You, you're going to want to take a vacation. You, you're going to want to retire someday. Save some. You will be glad you did. Sow some. Save some. And then, and only then, spend some. You need a house. Whether you rent it or buy it, you need a house. You need shelter. You need transportation. You don't necessarily need brand new transportation. You need dependable transportation. You can usually buy that for about a third of what a new one will cost you. I hadn't bought a new car in 30 years. Bought a lot of them when I was young. Bought a lot of them when I couldn't afford it. Now that I can't afford it, I don't. I just think it's better investments than the wheels go round and round. You need a house. You need transportation. You need to eat. But hear me this morning. If you do these things first, you will not have money to sow and to save. I said, if you do these things first, you will not have money to sow and to save. Spend only after you sow and after you save. Set your budget not on your gross, but on what's left over after you sow and you save. 
And the fourth thing that you ought to do with your money is you should share some. Proverbs 19 and 17 says, whoever shares with the poor is lending to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. The third thing I'd like to say about our financial destiny is this, and that is determine to stay focused. Proverbs 4 verse 25 through 27 says, keep your eyes looking straight ahead. It says, think carefully about where you are going. It says, be steadfast in all of your ways. It says, do not turn to the right or to the left. See, here's what I know, and that is detours will constantly be offered to us. And we're going to take some of these detours. I've taken a detour or two along. Nobody bats a thousand. I haven't batted a thousand. I haven't made 100% good financial decisions. Uh, decisions in my life. I've made some mistakes along the way. We're going to take some of these detours. If you have taken a detour or when you do take a detour, you must quickly get back on the right path and return to your prioritized plan. Write this down this morning. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Remind yourself of the poor financial choices that you made in the past and how that worked out for you and let this be a motivating factor to help you make better financial choices today. Maybe you've made terrible choices in the past. Today is a new day. Determine I'm going to make better financial choices. The takeaway for the message today is this. Our tomorrows are being determined by what we do with today. I'm going to say that again. Our tomorrows are being determined by what we do with today. Hey, by the way, I have an eight-part series on biblical principles for financial success taught right here in this room in cultivation classes. You can go online and listen in depth and detail. Today, simply just to kind of whet your appetite, and I encourage you to do that. Do that together. Listen, I get, I get texts all the time. This past week, I got a text, somebody thanking me, thanking me for the principles that I have taught here. Because before that they heard these principles, they were in horrific financial shape, but today their finances are in order. Recently, somebody texted me that said, you know, you know, man, before when I'd have an emergency, man, I just didn't know what in the world I would do. I would just freak out. The stress would be unbelievable. But because you taught me to have a, a, um, a financial emergency fund. Oh, I didn't like taking money out of that fund. You know, that's not fun, but I was so glad that it was there and I could do it and I didn't have to stress about it. I didn't miss a beat. I just kept on. So I encourage you, encourage you, get online and listen to those. Father, I thank you today, Father. Thank you that your word is so practical. Thank you that your word tells us how to get to heaven and all. That's the most important. I'm so thankful and grateful for that. But I thank you also that your word helps us in this life to have a better life. You're our heavenly father and you want good things for your children. And you've given us good instruction. And I thank you for it.